Well, some sad news in the world of rock. Surf guitar pioneer Dick Dale has died at the age of 81. And if you don't recognize the name, you will certainly recognize some of his classic riffs that just influenced a generation of guitar players. And joining us now to remember the late great Dick Dale is music expert Eric Elper. He is on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Eric, good afternoon. I appreciate the time. I'm so glad to talk to you, even though that I don't surf or even go in the water anymore. <laughs> well, uh, first off, uh, can you define for everybody what exactly surf rock or surf guitar is? Yeah, for sure. So what Dick Dale was trying to do is um, get that monster sound of waves and the excitement of riding a wave through his electric guitar. And it's a far cry from the endless summer that a lot of people listening may remember of the Beach Boys and Jan and Dean and the Venturas and that kind of, you know, surfs up, girls in bikinis, Mickey Mouse Club and Frankie Avalon and Annette Brunicello. Dick Dale was actually trying to recreate the ocean and just that exhilarating rush that you get. And uh, not only has it survived all those years, but it was the soundtrack to a lot of movies that Quentin Tarantino ended up uh, producing, including Pulp Fiction. Well, I was going to say most notably this right here. That was a Dick Dale original, that uh, riff, and you can really hear it there, Eric, what you were just talking about. This wasn't uh, exactly uh, the Beach Boys. Uh, this was surf music, but with a bit of an edge. Yeah, you know, he played that on a Fender Stratocaster, which was one of the most expensive and one of the most sought-after guitars um, ever built. And in fact, you know, he was such a uh, an influence in terms of what he was trying to create and that sound that you just heard on everybody from Eric Clapton to Jimi Hendrix in the 60s and in the 70s, bringing on just an early rendition of psychedelic music, trying to transform the listener into a place that they're not in. And uh, for Dick Dale, it was the uh, it was the beach, but it was a different kind of beach than the wholesome 60s uh, you know sound that we're so used to hearing in like Surfing USA or Fun 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 by the Beach Boys. Yeah, was he? Remind me, I'm not sure. Was he a California guy? Is that why he was so uh, attracted to to the surf and to the beach? Yeah, you, you know, he's kind of lived all, all over the, the uh, place, but, but Dick was definitely, you know, hiding out a lot in, in California. And uh, especially when, you know, when he was first starting out, he had to learn how to play guitar. So he played both left-handed, although what he did is he just simply flipped a normal right-handed guitar upside down to play, um, much like Jimi Hendrix. But when he moved out to California, there weren't a lot of people that kind of understood where he was going to, especially because he didn't have a lot of lyrics in his songs. It was mostly instrumental um, at a time when, you know, teenagers wanted something to sing along with. So, yeah, he kind of, you know, was based in Los Angeles a lot um, and then moved into the southern states once he started to tour, um, which he did up until, you know, a couple of months, uh, about half a year before he passed away and you know it's not often that somebody can be considered a legitimate pioneer but i think for some of the reasons we've been talking about over the last couple of minutes here eric dick dale truly is i know he was called the king of the surf guitar and uh, i love this one the pied piper of balboa beach <laughs> but he really was a, a a true innovator wasn't he yeah, you know, and, and, and I would even go so far to say like he was almost proto heavy metal before even Black Sabbath or Big Cheer or any of those bands that can stake a, a legitimate claim to that because that heavy, heavy guitar sound 
um, was playing on the record players of Black Sabbath and the Beatles and all of these other bands and the Who and Hendrix that came after them. So he definitely had, um, you know, certainly not the the satanic ritual lyrics as like a Black Sabbath did, but certainly, you know, that grumbling low sound of, of booming guitar and the bass line definitely attributed to what we now know as heavy metal, even though it was done 60 years earlier. Yeah, draw a bit of a through line, if you can, for us here uh, with Dick Dale. You've mentioned a couple of big names that were obviously influenced by him, the likes of uh, Hendrix and Clapton. Uh, Would you go through maybe the 70s, 80s, and right up to present day, uh, I'm thinking maybe, I don't know, Jack White? Yeah, I, I would say even, you know, Jack White or even The Edge from U2. Anybody that's like a guitar um, a, a guitar player, one of those guitar guitarists, like a Jeff Beck, for instance. But even now, you know, when you end up with, um, you know, with, with kind of rock-based guitarists, at least maybe not sounding like a lot of rock that you and I used to grow up with, but even, you know, in the case like the Imagine Dragons, there's there's absolutely a guarantee that when they first started out, eventually everybody gets to Dick Dale because they're always trying to just find those real interesting sounds that that aren't played on the radio. And you know, I think it, you know, and it's so funny because when Pulp Fiction came out, that soundtrack, you know, going back to the good old days, when I mean that soundtrack was selling in the hundreds of thousands every single month, and that was that lead off track. So you know, consider how many people that went into film based on a Quentin Tarantino influence. I can only imagine how many guitarists took a look at that soundtrack and said, that's the coolness that we need. That's the sound that makes us geeks kind of look cool and sound cool on record. Yeah, did that Pulp Fiction, uh, the soundtrack and the use of the Dick Dale song, did that kind of rejuvenate his career or at least get him a little more uh, recognition? I mean, you talk about guitarists, and uh, I'm actually just looking at a tweet here from Seth Rogen, the uh, great actor, who says, uh, once I drove an hour and a half to see Dick Dale perform at a horse track, and it was wonderful. Rest in peace. Yeah, you know, I mean, because of the unfortunate situation with uh, with health insurance and most musicians, not only here in Canada, but especially in the U.S., where um, I would venture to say that probably about 90% of professional musicians don't even have proper health insurance. Um, he was stricken with cancer really early on in his life by his mid-20s, and he's battled with health issues all throughout. Because he didn't have the proper insurance, it forced him to go on the road playing these, like, Texas B, you know, BBQ and, and grill places, these small places where you would never see, I think, a legend um, in places like that. So that kind of forced him on the road and never getting off of it for decades. And in fact, you know, even throughout the 70s, 80s and 90s and 2000s, he was still playing up to 150 shows a year if you wanted to go see him for probably 20, 25 bucks. Wow, that, that's an extraordinary, extraordinary number of shows, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And especially for a guy like in his 50s and 60s with battling health issues constantly, you know, life on the road is is a tough grind as it is. But when you're when you're kind of, you know, uh, known to to not be healthy all of the time and you just couldn't shake um, his issues. And in fact, he was quoted in a number of articles last year saying that he would love nothing more than to go off on the road and spend his retirement life with his wife and and hang out with his kids and his grandchildren, but it just wasn't meant to be. He just never was able to crack that much, um, you know, that much money that would just set him up for life like some artists do. 
You know, it's interesting, as you were describing, I, I knew that he had had a lot of health challenges. I didn't realize that it went all the way back to his 20s. And, and I'm just wondering, uh, Eric, uh, for him to uh, you know last as long as he did, dying at the age of uh, 81 the other day, uh, do you think of the guitar, I don't know if you ever spoke of this, but did the guitar kind of sustain him? Yeah, I, I, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think if that, you know, if the music that he didn't create in the 50s and, 60s, and early 60s um, wasn't there, um, a, we wouldn't be really talking about it, but B, he would just have to go find another another job just to sustain himself and probably get on on disability insurance. But um, but because he never left the road and and his small but influential audience never left him, um, it allowed him to go on the road and play in these places for 150 to 300 to 400 people at a time. And when you told it up, you know, it comes out to, you know, maybe $100,000 or $200,000. But, of course, he has to pay, you know, to be on the road in the hotels and his other musicians. So, right. you know, it, it's not that great of a... Of, of a luxury living, as some people may think, especially when you think, well, you were on the Pulp Fiction soundtrack, where did that money go? And for all I know, you know, for probably nobody would really know this except for him, it's it just how much he might have been in debt to the record label for all of those records that might have not sold throughout the 60s and 70s. Right, and you know, leave it to a guy like Tarantino to uh, unearth uh, Dick Dale and bring him back, right? I mean, that, that's oh, the kind so of magic of Quentin Tarantino, isn't it? Oh, he's so good at that. You know, there's been so many countless artists from uh, Dusty Springfield said that if it wasn't for him uh, using such, such, uh, Son of a Preacher Man in, in a couple of his films that, you know, she would be up on early retirement as well. But that gave her a little bit of a nest ache. So, yeah, you know, it, it certainly probably helped him out when that album came out. But, you know, as we've seen in the last number of years with record sales and, and the low amount of money that artists are getting for streaming services, um, that's even a hit song on a hit soundtrack. That may not be enough to last you a couple of years down the road. Well, as we said off the top, it's not often that somebody's considered a true pioneer, but that label certainly fits at Dick Dale. Eric Alper, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate you helping us uh, remember one of the greats. No problem. Thanks so much for having me. We'll talk soon. All right. Appreciate the conversation as always. Uh, just a final note, uh, by the way, on a Dick Dale. I love this from a David Simon. He is the creator of The Wire, and he wrote, If you ever bought an electric guitar and imagined playing it like Dick Dale, well, then you are on a certain path to eventually recognizing your own idiocy.